What is good, divine dolls, divine dudes, and my divine bookworms? Been wanting to get to this. It is early in the morning. Uh, so let's jump right in. How Rich People Think, y'all already know, by one of my favorite authors, Steve Siebold. Subtitle, Turn Your Ambition Into Action. So chapter 29, um, I kind of gave you a little sneak peek with the title on the last podcast. And it says, middle class sees the wealthy as oppressors. And it's times like this, I wish I had the um, sound effects. Dun, dun, dun. I know that rings true for a lot of people, right? Middle class sees the wealthy as oppressors. World class sees wealthy as liberators. So let's get that pebble from the middle class set to the world class set. Let's see what Steve Siebold has to say here. The middle class has and and will always serve the world class. That's a whole word right there. And that has a part to do with it. Okay, says this reality combined with a fair based consciousness leads the masses to feel envy and jealousy toward the rich and powerful. The wealthy employ the mm, circle that word right there. The wealthy employ the circle, the the, um, operative word right there is employ. The working poor and middle class, and this gives the average person the feeling that their employers are the oppressors. World class thinkers see the rich as the great liberators of society in part because they they pay the most taxes, donate the most to charity, and and create products, services and companies that employ the masses. If I keep it 100, I don't know that I necessarily agree that they pay the most taxes. Um, but that being said, if you've ever had to pay taxes before, um, yeah, that, let's, just, let's just keep it um, on topic here. Whenever there's a national crisis or financial emergency, Leaders look to the rich to save the day by raising taxes, leveraging their contacts or political favors, or pleading for their compassion to help solve a situation only a rich person can solve. Another reason the rich are the great liberators of society is because they have the ability to make choices and move ideas. Hmm... Y'all, I'm probably going to read this twice because each sentence in here is really powerful. Okay, but let's get through it for those of you who are kind of busy. It says the average person barely has enough mm, financial power to stay ahead of the bill collector. Even the richest country in the world, even in the richest country in the world, the majority of the population is one paycheck away from living on the street. This reality keeps them operating in fair-based thinking, which perpetuates the beliefs, philosophies, and behaviors that got them where they are in the first place. Meanwhile, the rich are operating in a mindset of love, abundance, and gratitude and continue getting wealthier every day. This experience perpetuates the cycle of success that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy until the performer believes he is capable of achieving any goal or any dream he can imagine. While both groups are living in the same outer world, the inner world is the one is on a different psychological plane. The more time goes by, the more the gap widens. Ooh, you guys, um, let me finish reading up the... Um, Resources here, critical thinking, question and action step, and then I'm going to go right back in because I want to address some of the things that he said. 
So most of you know by now, um, he likes to provide a rich resource, which is a book that he recommends that you read. So the rich resource for this segment is Your Money or Your Life, Nine Steps to Transforming Your Relationship with Money and Achieving Financial Independence. And that is the revised and updated for the 21st century by Vicki Robin and Joe Dominguez with Monique Tilford. So your money or your life, nine steps to transforming your relationship with money and achieving financial independence. The critical thinking question here is, when you were growing up, were you taught that rich people were liberators or oppressors? Were rich people portrayed as more negative or positive? Okay. And then the next, uh, the action step is make a list of 10 reasons rich people are positive influences on society. All right. Uh, for those of you who are kind of just listening on your way to work and only have the first couple of minutes or so, I wanted to end with the quote that it, um, he always has quotes in between the segments. And this one is by George Clayson. It says, wealth is power. With wealth, many things are possible. Okay, perfect uh, quote for this for this chapter. So let's get into it, right? So six minute mark. I'm going to try to remember to put that in the description. But from the beginning, right off the bat, and this is probably how I will li- um, do my list of 10 of how world uh, class are liberators. Um I do understand, you know, that there are outliers and that's why I kind of found myself kind of making those little noises. But I think that that's how it is with any and everything. And I think it's important for us to keep into perspective, you know, who falls into the majority, who falls into the minority, um, acknowledging that there are some people out there that, you know, don't necessarily, um, you know, have the best intentions with their money. But let's let's go with the premise that for the most part, the majority, I think more so more than there's more good than bad, you know, um, can be liberated. And another thing I wanted to say, too, was this is why it's so critically important that we become wealthy, right? Um, because part of the problem is we will say, well, they shouldn't have donated here. How come they didn't donate more? Or how come they don't do this? Or how come they don't address the, you know, what's going on in the home front? Or how come they don't go back to their own communities? That's why it's important. It's imperative that you become wealthy because when you become wealthy, now you can pinpoint the things that are missing in your community, right? You have a laser fo- focus laser vision focus for what is wrong around you and so now you can give to the schools that need it you can give to the communities that need it you can allocate your funds to um hit those demographics that the rest of us does because a lot of the times it, it has um it has to be i think more of a collective effort um i think part of what's fascinating to me is i and starting to identify more with what it means to be, you know, wealthy and what it's going to look like for me when I'm, you know, as I'm working my way up to that 10% and that 1%, right? And to be honest, I wouldn't want people to expect me to front load everything. I had to put in the work. At the time that I'm recording this, I'm 12 months in from, you know, setting up my passive income and, 24 months out from where I want to be, but it's been years. I mean, even from the degrees that I chose in business administration and, um, you know, trying different enterprises in real estate and that stuff not working out. <clears throat> Over the culmination of my life, I've made the sacrifices. I've put work and sweat and tears, right, into the things that mattered. And so sometimes that meant I was getting up before the sun and coming home as late as midnight, multiple times throughout the week, right? Um, And I put in the work and I don't think I would like for people to be now, um, what do you call it? 
pocket watching me. No, let's not be those people. Let's figure out how to become wealthy, right? Understanding that we can break that cycle for ourselves. And then let's put in the work. Let's now pass on the good message and liberate other people. You know, um, one of my favorite authors is um, Dr. Wallace Waddles, The Science of Getting Rich. And he talks about, you know, it's, it's interesting because you can read something and that one sentence can be so powerful, but that sentence is what's going to carry you for sometimes three years, five years, seven years, 10 years, 20 years, right? But one of the things he said is the best thing you can do to help other people become wealthy is you become wealthy. And when you become wealthy, it builds up your credibility. And now you can reach reach back and show people the formula and show them how it's done. Right? But these things take time and you got to kind of put some respect on it. (laughs) So here it says, the middle class has always, has and always will serve the world class. This one is going to be probably a little bit one of those longer podcasts because... It's always curious to me, you know, when you say, oh, the wealthy, you know, really are oppressing the the poor with low wages. No one's telling you to um, work at those places for for low wages. If you feel that you need to get paid more, go to the companies that are paying more. Right. And so then that starts to bring up questions about what are your skills? What are your um competencies. I think for me, I'm I'm uh wanting to help expand a little bit your thinking because one of the the turning points for me is as a black woman, it just is what it is. For everyone it's going to be different, but I I realized that in some cases I was overqualified, right? I was told that. And I started I understood that um I could only get so far with me offering my skill set and being subjected to the, oh, you're a woman and or you're a black woman. So, you know, probably not going to be on their radar in terms of employability and trying to just keep me down in, in terms of income. So I get it. So I had to repivot and look at what are streams of income that I can generate where I'm not having to depend on you know, somebody's biases and how they feel about me to fumble my bag. I remember, yeah, let's not go into the personal stories, but I, I, there, it's been a life process, like I said, right? I, I'm not going to be, it's not an overnight thing, but it's kind of like realizing going to work. It's kind of like this, this lady don't like me. <laughs> she does not like me. And she makes it very clear. <laughs> that, you know, I better be grateful I have my job type of a thing. So, but that's how I got to here. That's why I went into things like real estate where I'm more independent, right? And have somewhat of a symbiotic relationship with my, um, with my clientele. That's why I also chose, um, passive income, love everything that's to do with, um, with investing, and so, but with that being said, you have to equip yourself with the knowledge, right? And and learn, right? And then now you send your money to work. But at the end of the day, these are people who are creating jobs, right? And I think that we're starting to see the reality of what we have created in a sense, because when you have, um, for example, high crime rates in certain neighborhoods where they are... Um, looting and vandalizing the local grocery store, right? Um, and businesses around them and, and hurting, you know, store, store owners and mom and pops, it makes them want to withdraw their, you know, not only the services they provide, but their, um, their businesses from there. And then that affects also what they pay in terms of taxes, whoopsie, in terms of taxes that go back into helping to, you know, keep the roads paved and um, paying for the education system and for, you know, 
public services that we need, right? So just something to think about. Um, I know maybe not the most popular opinions, right? And that's why I saved my thoughts for the end because what's more important is what Steve Siebold had to say. Um, it says, The reality combined with a fair-based consciousness leads the masses to feel envy and jealousy toward the rich and powerful. And I remember, this is about a year ago, um, seeing what that that looks like in terms of envy and jealousy. And somebody was describing the difference between envy and jealousy. And unfortunately, the thing with jealousy, jealousy is when they wish that they could be you. But envy is just as dangerous because not only do they wish they could be you, but envy is they wish that you didn't have it. Right. So it's that um, uh, crabs in a bucket, you know, trying to pull the other one down instead of figuring out like, wait a minute, that crab used this angle, that angle and climbed up and got out. If that crab did it, then let me follow. You know, sometimes when you watch um, those climbing goats, <laughs> this is so funny. But last week um, it came up in my feed. I think they're called the Ibasa, um, but it definitely starts with an I. Like Ibasa or Ibasu goats, and they're known for climbing very steep um, mountains and surfaces and terrains. And but one of the things, even when they teach their little baby goats, right? What the baby goats will do is they'll follow their like their mama up the the little thing, but wherever she lands is exactly where they'll land, and so she will kind of. Um, Keep in mind, too, that she has a little one coming behind her. So it's steps that the little baby one, baby goat can, um, the, the kid, right? <laughs> that the kid can um, follow and mimic. And if she lands, you know, if she pivots left, right, the baby will pivot left, right, right? Um, and so uh, there's almost a formula in there, too. If you want to be wealthy... If you want to be wealthy, employ others, right? And um, I'm trying to remember right off the bat which book was that said it, but it was one of those things that might have been even Steve, Steve Siebold in one of his earlier segments where it's like world-class, um, the wealthy, they understand that in order to be wealthy, you, you solve problems, Right. You create goods, you create services that other people can purchase, which kind of leads me to to an interesting um, perspective on materialism. You know, a lot of the times we say, well, we need to be more materialistic, stop, you know, consumerism. But if you are a person who's going to be putting out goods and services, you want there to be consumerism. And that's how the world moves forward. And that's how we create a better quality of life, right? Um, when you think about all how how much more comfortable life has become, I think even over the past ten years, um, I think that in a bittersweet way, the even the pandemic forces us to rethink, you know, what it means to work from home, what it means to have goods and services brought to your front door in the comfort of your home. You know, even the way that people travel has changed because now you can work remotely from home and spend much more time in your favorite destinations, right? It's even things like me having to go to the nail salon versus just having my favorite nail tech come to my own house, right? Um, I definitely took advantage of having home deliveries brought more often to my house. So now I'm not spending as much quality time out having to look for parking and shopping and looking for stuff, right? Kind of helps me budget-wise too because I know exactly what I want and I have it delivered. But notice the key theme there is that a, a good or service is being provided and whoever is doing those things and innovative in those ways is who is is you know, we're able to have that exchange in currency. That That's almost a formula right there. If you want to become a world-class person and liberate other people, you have the ability to do it. 
employ other people. You know, even with, um, I'll go ahead and mention it in this podcast, but I'm looking to do my own candle line, right? I love candles. But as much as it's something that I love and I'm passionate about and now I am creating an opportunity for to work with manufacturers, work with people who can deliver the goods, people who provide, you know, all the, the material that goes into it, right? Right. And so in some way, I'm helping to add, put money into other people's pockets. I've talked about how even the, the nail tech that when she comes over, part of the, what I love about it is she's a mom. And so I know that I'm helping her the same way she's helping me accomplish something that I want. I know that that money is going towards, you know, the putting food on the table for her child. Right. It says the wealthy employed the working poor, middle class, and this gives the average person the feeling that their employers are the oppressors. Sounds counterintuitive when Steve Siebel says it though, right? It says world-class thinkers see the rich as great liberators of society um, in part because they pay the most taxes. And that part, you know, it just depends. But I love these types of conversations. This one... Um, I'm not even going to try to go into it. You kind of heard me have a hiccup with that one. I, it's been interesting for me to be on one side, moving towards the other. Um, and you always hear the conversations that sometimes the wealthier. But when you look in terms of how much they're paying, it's still going to be more than the low income. But um, when you look at the tax bracket breakdowns, you know, there is that little bit. of. And so here's the thing. If you feel like the incentive is is that the rich people pay less taxes, then let's figure out how to be rich. Let's figure out how to make less to pay less taxes. Now, one of the interesting things that came to mind right off the bat too is a lot of the times uh again it ties into business and to output and to providing goods and services. They understand that if you link it to um a you know an LLC to a business you can write off a lot more right and so you become you the same knowledge is out there and it's available to you right um i know one of the trading groups that i'm in they got several people to come in and talk to us about what it means for our taxes and a lot of the times that meant that we should be under an LLC and um Look for other ways to to become more um, productive in a way. It's really a fascinating process. Really fascinating. Um, but um, we've been talking, I think, uh, on the sidebar on my a previous podcast about donating the most to charity. And it's so interesting because even when I've observed when wealthy people donate, it just never seems to be appreciated. It's just never enough. It's just never to the right entity. It's never to the right people. And it's never, it's just like almost to a sense of entitlement. But again, like I said in the, um, a little bit earlier, that's why it's important that you become wealthy because especially if you have those heightened um, beliefs about how the other wealthy people are misappropriating their funds in that way, you get in there, you get wealthy and you, you address that problem. And and what if that's what you came here? What if that's part of your soul work, right? What if that is part of your soul purpose, right? What if that is a part of your mission to recognize that need? And so now it's no longer about you, right? Because in the previous uh, chapter, it talked about how, Really, a lot of us are pretty selfish. <laughs> All we're thinking about is how am I going to retire? Am I going to have enough to take care of myself? World class thinks about how am I going to make an impact in the world? Right? So a lot of you here identify as being divine. You like the idea of being set apart. A lot of you like the idea of being mission-based, right? And the idea that you can make an impact in the world. And so that means, is it going to be easy or just drop into your lap? No, it's going to take some work. But you understand that it's so much bigger than just your retirement or 
the things you wear or the things you drive or where you live. Now it becomes, how can I help? How can I set other people free? If you have a problem with what people are are paid, you employ people. You find a good and or service that you can um, scale and you employ, employ people at what is considered to be, you know, living wages and you employ people to make sure that they have their full dental vision and insurance and everything that they need. Um, there's a lot of stories up, out there about great business owners who really take care of their company. And those are individuals, right, that love what they do and still make sure that their employees are able to be financially stable, right? And so if that's important to you, then go out and be that change, right? It says here, they donate the most to charity and create products, services, and companies that employ the masses. Whenever there's a national crisis or financial emergency, Leaders look to the rich to save the day by raising taxes, leveraging their contacts um, or political favors, or pleading for their compassion to help solve a situation only a rich person can solve. And then that's why you hear a lot of celebrities, you know, um, and athletes and or wealthy people give when there's hurricanes or when there's um, earthquakes or tornadoes or tsunamis, right? Hmm. It says here, um, or they plead for their compassion to help solve a situation only a rich person can solve. And what would it mean for us to finally get to a point in our life where we can be that hero and to be the liberator? And I think that has to be a really good feeling. I think about, you know, it. like I said, when I think about what it's going to mean for me to be on that side of things, um... And it probably is going to suck a little bit if I were to read, you know, in the papers that, oh, you know, for all her money, she should have given more. She should have given to this. She should have given to that. I think it would probably suck a little bit, but I think that I'm going to just do the inner work and know that there are things that I see that need to be addressed in my community and just put my head down and do the work and feel how good it feels to be a liberator, that I set one more family free, one more, you know, made an impact in one more person's life, right? One person at a time, right? It says another reason the the rich are great liberators of society is because they have the ability to make choices and move ideas. And I really want you to understand, if they can do it, you can do it too. All those crabs can get out that bucket. And it's even to the point where if more of the crabs try to get out of the bucket, they would actually tip this, tip the bucket over and all of them would be able to get out, right? It's kind of really funny. If more, I'm going to probably do a separate podcast on this one. It's going to be so short and sweet and to the point. But if more uh, crabs saw the other one trying to get out and followed it that path, right? Copied the right cat or copied the right crab, <laughs> right? It would really tip the bucket over and even the ones at the bottom could get out. When you talk about liber- a liberating message, that's wild. And so I, you know, coming back full circle, the same way they can make choices to be financially stable, it's Financially, financial freedom is a choice, right? Takes you out of that victim consciousness. You can choose to be wealthy. And like I said, I'm not underestimating. It's very important for me to record this stuff on this end of my journey, right? So that people can understand it takes, you know, blood, sweat, tears, inner work, shadow work, you know, seeking, finding, applying, 
together. But the same 24 hours I have, guess what? You have those same 24 hours. I like to say the same 24 hours that Beyonce have, we have that too. The same 24 hours that these wealthy people have, we have it too. It says the average person barely has enough financial power to stay ahead of the bill collector. Even in the richest country in the world, the majority of the population is one paycheck away from living on the street. The reality keeps them operating in fair-based thinking. And, you know, in the last chapter, he talked about how important it is to work on our minds, right? Um, Even those of you who've been with me on this podcast journey, um, just getting the affirmations again. Um, I listened to about three minutes of a book. And to be honest, like I kind of, I could tell it's one of those books that you kind of have to take it in little bite-sized pieces because it's so deep type of a thing. But, um, uh, it was a podcast, maybe like three or four back, but I'm going to tell you the, the, the takeaway from it. It was a, it was a reminder. It was talking about the subconscious mind, right? Do I still have the tab open? Um, cause I did want to come back to it. Let me see. I might've just spazzed out. Cause I could tell I was like, Mm-mm, this book here. Yeah. It's um the tab is still open. It's called the invisible power. Um, the manual of using mental energy, right? <clears throat> and in that book, he said, it is like really critical for you to understand that what you think will manifest into spiritual and physical things, right? We've talked a little bit before about how thoughts become things, right? And for every negative thought, you need to like reverse it and think of three positive things or three positive goals in the future, right? And um, in the previous chapter, he talked about how it's going to be important for us to do the mental work. A lot of it has to do with their limiting beliefs, right? It's not that we're not physically able. It's not that we don't have the time. Um, a little bit of it could be with um, resources, but believe that you can align yourself with people who have the right resources. What you seek is seeking you, right? In many instances, right? It, it, oh, I just I just love it because it's so simple. It comes back to fear-based thinking. You know, um, it's kind of uh, in the same train of thought or same lane of thought was um, I was listening to a young lady. She's pretty successful. Um, and she said one of the things that helped her was to, to say yes to things that keep her zen. Things that say yes to things that keep her in a... Um, Zen flow. And so here it's like, say yes to things that, um, what would be the opposite of fear? It would be, um, say yes to things that are empowering, right? Um, and if, if you have thoughts throughout your day, right, that you kind of have to take inventory of the thoughts that come into your mind and ask yourself, is this fear based or not? Right? If it's fear based, let it go, right? Um, just let go of that limiting belief. Say, that's a limiting belief. I'm going to cut myself loose from that and shift. How would a world-class leader think about this, right? Um, it says, meanwhile, the rich are operating in a mindset of love. Um, love, abundance, and gratitude and continue to get wealthier every day. And as simple as this sounds, I am finding this so to be so true because love, for those of you who kind of are just listening to my podcast for how rich people think, on the other podcast, I've talked a little bit about um, finding out what the hertz are, the frequencies are for different things. The frequency for wealth is actually really low. It's, it's like 128 hertz, which is like the same as frequency as Jupiter um, type of thing. And for you to be healthy, like every time you get a cold, just to give you an idea of how low your frequency gets when you, you have ailments and disease and or sickness, it's really low. It's as low as like 10, right? So to be wealthy, you have, a, uh, have to have a frequency of about 128. Love is a frequency of 528 hertz, right? And then when you get into the, to the frequency of the gods, 
it is 963 hertz so we have a huge range to work with right but if you um operate from a mindset of love that is what like five times more than the frequency of making wealth right it's a much greater output and then you start to tap into the idea of abundance versus scarcity you know there is room for all of us to be multimillionaires. There really is. There really is because um, we have, you know, if you think about what everybody's telling you, and sometimes, unfortunately, the, the 3D reality can really mess with your mind. It's even things like um, uh, food deserts or not having foods on the shelves, depending on where you live, right? Because it's interesting how your reality can be so different. I don't really see it because like I said, I place my order. I say exactly what I want and someone delivers it to my door, right? Um, But just pay attention to what's in the 3D, but what the reality is for some other people because you can change your thinking and move into another neighborhood where, you know, abundance is an everyday thing. There are neighborhoods, one of my favorite um, YouTubers um, Mina from Universe Guru and Million Dollar Babes just moved into a multi-million dollar mansion, right? For a house to be considered a mansion, it has to be at least 8,000 or at least 8,001 feet, right? And when she moved in, it's kind of like she's starting to understand that for as wealthy as they've become there are other people who are superpowers right super conduits of the way that they think and able to move masses of people and have a huge impact in their society right same and we're we're both living in 2022 she just moved in last month i believe in july right but the reality is out there right and it's so interesting because if you ever get a chance to listen to her, you start to understand just how attainable it is for you to be in the same um, location as she is. And for those of you who are kind of like, no, no way, she has, she might have this or she might have, no, 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 it took her some time, right? And she did a lot of shadow work, a lot of inner work. And she's more than happy to share her formulas with you. Like I said, in the last chapter with um, Steve Siebold, he says, align yourself with people who help you with your thought patterns, with your mental map. She's a great person, great resource. I've found her to be a valuable resource in terms of um, checking in to see where I am on my spiritual growth and on my mental thought process. Right? And that one is more so, I think, for Divine Feminines. I know her husband does courses also, but I'm not a man, so I don't, you know. But for my Divine um, Masculines or any men who listen to this, then, you know, definitely look for people that um, can help you with your mental map. I think a really great um, thought person, a thought leader is Eric Thomas. Uh, especially for my divine masculines, I think he's a little bit kind of high, high for um, women. I know, um, but but I still like to listen to him with the understanding of what it means for me to be my femininity, but still be action based. But Eric Thomas is another great thought leader, also to listen to. Les Brown is another good one, also. Um, Tony Robbins. I really love, you know, how, how even in his journey as a motivational speaker, it's been really interesting to watch him over the past couple of years also, right? But it says, meanwhile, the rich are operating in a mindset of love, abundance, and gratitude. And I don't remember exactly which podcast it was, but I remember coming to that realization, like one of the best things I've ever done is to step into a spirit of gratitude, Oh, and I'm just grateful for the little things. Like, I, it's even to the point. <laughs> I remember just a while back, I I was I had ordered something for my cash stuffing envelopes, 
and my um, sinking funds type of thing, getting my stuff set up. And um, I had ordered some cards from Conversation on Etsy. She has some really cute cash envelopes and I had ordered the minis. And so I was super excited to get it. So when it came in the mail, I had seen it in my email. And so I went out to the mail and got it. And opening it, presentation was on point. But what brought me to the verge of tears <laughs> was that she had just given me a free gift. But the free gift was a um, savings challenge for 10000 and 20000 and a thousand so she gave me three it was three and it just really touched my heart too because I also understand that she's planting in my mind that I'm capable of doing that it gave me an instrument to visualize myself saving twenty thousand thirty thousand a thousand right spirit of gratitude right just even gratitude for having a roof over my head, transportation. Even though things are getting inflated, I still am able to put gas in my car, right? And get to the, the errands that I need to run, right? Still, for the most part, at least able to eat. Maybe not eating out as much as I, you know, could or, or you know, definitely shouldn't be eating out as much anyways or eating healthier, you know, but still grateful, Right? To have all my facilities and having my mental capacity. And when you, you've noticed, if you ever get the chance, even if you're driving, you know, I know driving to work can be stressful. But if you just start to think of all the things you're, you're thankful for, even as you're stuck in traffic, you're going to notice your energy is going to change and your energy is going to shift. Right? All right. Let's try to wrap this up here. We're almost done. It says, this experience perpetuates the cycle of success that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy until the performer believes he is he or she is capable of achieving any goal or dream he can imagine, right? So it's talking about the contrast between, you know, middle class, the poor, and the world class leaders, right? And create little um, instances for yourself where you can break that cycle, right? Says, while both groups are living in the same outer world, the inner world, right? In case you missed it, when I talked about how you can move into a wealthy neighborhood too and move into your own mansion, but the part is, it's the inner work. What do you believe? What are your thoughts what are your thoughts surrounding whether you can, you have what it takes to accomplish that mission of becoming a liberator? You know, for those of us, I think sometimes when I say the word selfish, sometimes we second guess ourselves, but we have a hero in there. I want to I believe, especially if you've listened up until this point, there's a hero in you. If you're kind of like me, me, I can... <laughs> I can go through life and I kind of went through life just I knew I had to join the rat race and, you know, be a contributing member of society. I like nice things, want to have, you know, be independent. But once my niece was born, when my niece was born, then that's when it's bigger than me. That's when I it's not just about me anymore. I have to make sure that little girl is set I have to make sure my God kids are set. I have to make sure that I can be able to take care of my parents the way that I really want to when it when that time comes to make sure that I have the best nurses coming in, the best food people coming in, the best being able to make sure that they're pampered and living in a comfortable environment. And so that hero... And then the hero comes along with the strength to carry on, right? It's like, kind of just speaking into it's like, you have that hero capability. And if you're listening to me, you have something in your mind that says, I am here for a mission, right? Uh, that's what makes me a divine feminine. That's what makes me a divine masculine. I am here to break generational curses. I'm here to be a liberator, Right? Of the people around me.
says so by so it says while both are living in the same outer world the inner world the thoughts right is on a different psychological plane the more time goes by the more the gap widens and it just kind of goes back to that sentence which was talking about self-fulfilling prophecy and how we perpetuate a cycle right that was powerful um I'm going to end it again with the critical thinking question that he gave us. He did give us an action step, which was to make a list of 10 reasons rich people are a positive influence on society. I would say if you still are kind of at the end here listening to me and you're like, I still don't like rich people. F them. F them all. (laughs) I want you to make a list of 10 reasons why when you become a rich person, you're going to have a positive influence on society. I want you to make a list of 10 things that you are going to do and the 10 ways you're going to create a positive influence on people. Not if, when you become wealthy. Okay? And then the critical thinking question here that I really want you to think about and do that inner work and kind of allow yourself to have that mental transformation is... It says, when, this is the critical thinking question. When you were growing up, were you taught that rich people were liberators or oppressors? I know even in the black community, it's a difficult conversation. But yeah, a lot of the times we were taught about <laughs> dominant society. Dominant society, right? Um... And and with that, I think especially in the black community, it puts us into victim consciousness. Right? Even though it's been... Yeah. And so the next question was, were rich people portrayed as more negative or positive? And again, as I'm going to close out here, thank you for being with me up until this point. Um... When you become a rich person, as you are becoming a rich person, because it doesn't happen overnight. And I'm even careful some of the things I said here. As I sit here, I am a wealthy person, right? Every day in every way, I'm becoming wealthier. Okay? But I want to believe that I would be portrayed as being a, more of a, having a positive impact. And making a positive influence, right? And starting to recognize that the people around you, you know, that are wealthy, you know, we have the elites in the in the news. And we we do have those outlayers of people that um have ill gotten gain. I think one of the heartbreaking things is like when you look at the Kardashians for as wealthy as they are. And especially, I think, for Kim, having started off, you know, just being a lawyer's daughter um, and being Paris Hilton's assistant and, you know, kind of even being in that lane where she's having to steal from her boyfriend's mom credit cards type of thing. Um, The Ray J's mom had to sue um, Kim Kardashian because she used the mom's credit card to buy herself business inventory so there's that that whole idea of like you know you're supposed to make it she saw all these rich rich wealthy people around her can you imagine living next to the to the hiltons and here we are years later still wealthy but she's not even paying her her staff the kids the the people that came in to keep her home clean and to take care of her kids just came out of a lawsuit where she wasn't even trying to pay them, right? So we do have outlayers of people that um, are not positive and are still negative, right? So I'm, I'm aware of that. But what would it mean for you to have your mansion in your favorite destination? Calabasas is a nice area. I actually like Malibu. It's right there, right along the ocean, I actually have an address picked out for a house in Malibu. It'll take me some time, 
It'll be one of those things, probably a retirement home. It'll take me time to get there, right? As long as the vine source gives me the breath, you know, to to keep moving on, you know, shoot for the moon, land on a star type of a thing. But it, I look forward to like even with with the um, services I have here, I try to make sure to tip well. I know what it's like. I started off one of I started working from the age of 14 as a teacher's assistant for four years and I was with her for four years. But one of my first jobs out of high school was in a dish room working in the cafeteria. I was that little black girl in the back washing the dishes scraping the broccoli off of the plates and I went to a private school but I was working in the cafeteria in the dish room so for a lot of those wealthy kids you know I was back there and it would be steamy and hot and grimy right and so I know what it's like to be out there and I know what it's like to do hard work so I, I like to tip well I like to pay the people who do the landscaping well treat them with respect right I don't ever want to even see myself in a position where I'm not paying people what they're worth and paying them well, right? The way that I wanted to be treated well and to be able to be financially stable um, for putting in quality work, right? So I want you to just think about you becoming a, a liberator. And for some of you who are not driven by becoming liberators for yourself, but liberators for other people, you have a mission. You have an assignment. That's what you came here for. You know, so continue to push forward. And a lot of it has to do with mental. Um, we were talking a little bit about brain waves, you know, and alpha waves. Uh, uh, alpha is very popular, but it has to do with brain waves. There's alpha waves, beta waves, omega, sigma. But it's gamma waves. Gamma waves and the gamma personality is the person who works smarter and not harder. So you start to strategize. You start to mastermind what it is that you need to do and look to copy the right cats. Align yourself with people that think a certain way so that you can copy the right cat cat or coffee the right crab so it has been my pleasure to share this with you to muse on this with you um i kind of knew there was something special about this one i love all of his content but um this one was definitely transformative i think for me right i look forward to having conversations with other people as i go out about and having this conversation with them right so be blessed, have an amazing, you know, whatever it is, productive, a productive, upbeat, a positive, upbeat and productive day, positive, upbeat and productive week, positive, upbeat and productive month, positive, upbeat and productive year. Oh, but baby, I got you. Have a positive, upbeat and productive life. Until the next podcast. Peace.